We all want to feel like we belong, but sometimes it's challenging to find connection in our living spaces, neighborhoods, communities, and relationships. On Home Where You Belong, we're here to change that. Hear stories of people from different backgrounds and from different places and how they've been able to feel more at home to help give you a renewed sense of connection, belonging, and optimism. Welcome to Home Where You Belong with your host, Chip Alford. Americans aren't exactly known for smaller portions. Let's face it, we supersize everything, even our homes. When it comes to living space, bigger is better, right? Not necessarily. Burdened by escalating housing costs and longing for less stress and more time to do what they enjoy, a growing number of Americans are discovering the freedom that comes from living with less. Living large, it turns out, doesn't require a McMansion. The tiny house movement has become a global phenomenon. Communities are popping up everywhere. There's a cool little grouping of tiny homes less than a mile from my house and two more less than an hour's drive away. Some people live in their tiny homes full-time. Others use them as weekend getaways or vacation spaces. You can even rent tiny homes in many locations on Airbnb. You can buy tiny homes from a growing number of manufacturers. Or, like today's guest, you may prefer to build your own. In June of 2012, Ethan Waldman left his corporate job, bought a flatbed trailer, and started building his do-it-yourself tiny house on wheels. Thanks to tiny home living, Ethan achieved homeownership at a young age, freed himself from the 9-to-5 grind, and now enjoys a debt-free, location-independent lifestyle. Ethan's guide, Tiny House Decisions, has helped thousands of readers answer the big questions about tiny houses and plan each system in their future home. He's also the creator and host of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, a show that includes conversations with tiny house luminaries, builders, and do-it-yourselfers. Ethan, welcome to Home Where You Belong. I really appreciate you taking some time out to join us today. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me, Chip. Awesome. Can you tell listeners, how, how did you get interested in tiny houses in the first place, and what was it about them that appealed to you? Yeah, I think that it was it was like a, a multi like multiple touch points, multiple exposures to tiny houses. Um, in 2012, I was you know I I was a couple of years into a corporate career, and I wasn't feeling super excited about the work or the lifestyle, um, and so I decided to take a sabbatical and uh, cycle the west coast of the United States with my cousin. Awesome. Um, yeah. And, and on that trip, we had actually stayed in several tiny houses. We were using this website called couch surfing. It was kind of pre Airbnb. Um, and we, we ended up staying in a couple of different tiny houses with really nice people and just started to connect the dots of like the idea that, that you could live very happily with a lot less and that the cost for that lifestyle was much, much less than, than, what many people kind of end up pursuing. Um, so I got home from that trip and, you know, I, I was making really good money. I was renting a house with, with a friend in, in Burlington, Vermont. And I just kind of realized that, that the only way I'd ever really be able to get out of the kind of corporate grind is a, to like stop kind of expanding my lifestyle, stop like committing to, to spending the money and then also, you know, that I, if I wanted to do it sooner, 
without necessarily replacing my corporate income that I needed to, to like kind of downshift and, and have a lifestyle that cost a lot less. And, and the tiny house, tiny houses just made so much sense to me. I just, just like, yes, I'll build a tiny house and I can live in it and it'll save me a ton of money. Was that, was that a hard decision? I mean, did you put a lot of thought into it or, or had you kind of made that decision during that trip? You know, it was a big decision. I think that during the trip, I hadn't yet decided. I think it was more like people kept, you know, when you're on a bicycle tour, people just want to talk to you. And people kept saying some version of, oh my gosh, this is going to change your life. This trip is going to change your life. (laughs) And like during the trip, I didn't really feel like anything had changed. I just, you know, it's incredibly physically tiring doing, doing that kind of travel. Um, it really wasn't until I got back that I realized like the change was that I kind of looked around at all my stuff after, you know, spending a month with just a couple of little bags and just, you know, you know, two sets of clothes, like very simple eating, very simple possessions and going back to all of that stuff was, um, you know, there was almost some culture shock there. Yeah. Well, sounds like that the trip was the inspiration, but you had a little bit more thinking to do once you got got back. That's yeah. a, that's a big decision, but yeah, well, exactly. Well, wh- why did you decide to um, build your own tiny house? I know there's a, a a growing number of manufacturers that are yeah building them, and uh, that was like eleven yeah. years ago. I don't know if there was many manufacturers then, but tell me about your decision to do a DIY versus buying one direct. Yeah. Well, I mean, at that time in, in, when I started in 2012 on the build, there really, there weren't any tiny house builders or manufacturers, maybe one or two, nothing like there is today. Um, you got got in early on the curve then. Yeah, totally. And then the other thing is that the idea of, well, the idea of doing it myself, A, I knew would save me a lot of money. And B, I, w- I had always wanted to learn some of those skills. I was always interested in in learning how to build my own home. Hmm. Um, and I was really kind of enamored with the idea of tiny houses as a way of learning to build because they're smaller. So it's like, <laughs> you know, not as big of a project, but it's still a really big project. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I read somewhere, I think it was on the internet. So it's, it's gotta be true that the the size um, of a common tiny house is usually somewhere between one and 400 square feet. Does that sound about right to you or? That's, that's exactly right. I mean, that's generally um, under 400 or 450 square feet is, is how many of the tiny house laws and codes are being written as tiny houses get legalized. That's usually the cutoff, you know, definition for what a tiny house is. Okay. Um, I really like, so, uh, Jay Schaefer is kind of one of the kind of founders of the movement. Um, he, he started tumbleweed and, and was putting out a lot of the early designs. Um, I saw him speak, I've seen him speak a few times and interviewed him on my podcast, but you know, his definition of a tiny house is a house in which all of the space is being used by the people who live there. Mm, um, so, a, you know, what is tiny for one person might not be tiny for someone else. Well, what was that process like? I mean, did you download a b- blueprint somewhere or buy one or yeah. how, how did you go about putting it together? Yeah. So I, I 
bought a set of plans from Tumbleweed. Um, and then I ended up kind of scrapping those plans because a, a family friend who, who runs an architectural design studio kind of got wind of the project and got really interested in, in kind of helping me. And so we ended up doing a design kind of from scratch, just a a custom design. Um, and that was really, really a cool experience to get to work with a professional architect and designer, um, and have a house really designed for me. Tell, Um, tell, Tell us a little bit about kind of what the design looked like or. Yeah. So it's, um, it's pretty typical, especially for tiny houses at that time. You know, it has like a gabled roof. So, you know, if you ask a five-year-old to draw a house, they're going to draw a, bo- a a square with a triangle on top. That's like yep. the shape of the house, um, you know, and it's, it's about 22 feet long, about eight and a half feet wide, about 13 and a half feet tall. And, you know, you kind of walk in the front doors, like in the middle of that short end, the gable end. And you're in what I call the great room. So that's the, mm. the, you know, probably about half the space, the ceiling is open above you. So you kind of have this vaulted ceiling. There's a small loft above the front door just for storage of like blankets and books and small, small knickknacks. And then the kind of the back half of the house um, on the, on the main floor, there's a um, fairly large kitchen. Um, and then at the very back, kind of across the back is the bathroom, which is just a small, you know, it's, it's probably about three and a half feet deep and the width of the the house. And that has, um, you know, a stand up shower and a compost toilet. So is, as the exterior wood or what? Um, yep. Yep. Okay. So the, um, I went for kind of, I wanted something that would fit in well in Vermont, um, yeah. you know make it easy to park in people's backyards. So, um, the exterior is, is pine and it's shiplap pine. So kind of a a very simple profile and it's, um, the, the wood is stained kind of a dark, um, teak color, like a Brown color. So it's very, it's very woodsy, very Vermont. Oh yeah. And I'll just tell listeners, we, we, uh, we'll have a couple of photos of that, um, house, um, posted on our website and links in our show notes to that. It's really cool. Nice. How how long did it take you to build it? And actually, where did you build it? It took about 13 months to build, um, okay. just working on it part-time. You know, there were a couple of kind of spurts of of probably close to full-time work on it. Were you still working your regular job too, or? So I had, I started the build on June 1st and I had, I had actually also quit my job and my last day was kind of at at the end of May. So I kind of quit my job and started the house at the same time. You went all in. (laughs) Yeah, I went all in. Although, you know, I was kind of, I was in a good position because what I was doing was kind of unique for this company that I was working for. So they actually wanted me to stay on as a contractor and so I was able to continue kind of picking up work from them on a project oh, by project basis. Um, so I, I, I continued to earn some money working on these projects throughout the build. What kind? I'm just curious, what kind of work did you do? I was doing training and development work, um, so right. specifically e-learning development. So building, you know, computer-based training courses um, for Green Mountain Coffee Roasters. Well, that. That's probably why some of the resources that you put together are so good. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I I like to think so. Yeah, that that came in handy, right? That's good. Yeah, I know costs vary based on 
how you know your design and materials and all that yeah. but give me a rough estimate on you know what could somebody looking to this expect to spend versus you know a small new starter home or something i mean it's obviously going to hopefully be cheaper than that yeah i mean the costs have have gone up dramatically um you know when i built mine in in 2012 2013 i had estimated my my DIY cost at, you know, about 20 to $25,000 and, you know, obviously not paying myself for the time. Um, I did end up hiring out more work than I had anticipated just to help me get certain things done. Um, and so I ended up coming in more at like 30 to 35. Um, and luckily I was able to kind of cover the budget overruns with the consulting work that I was doing. These days, you know, the costs of everything have gone up, particularly um, the trailers got really expensive. Uh Like, you know, I bought a just a regular utility trailer, a steel flatbed utility trailer. Now there are tiny house specific trailers, and I highly recommend using one um, for a bunch of different kind of more technical reasons. But for example, my trailer cost about, I think, $2,500. Tiny house trailers now cost like, $7,500. $7,500. Oh, wow. um, so I'm still seeing people able to DIY a tiny house, you know, at the low end, you know, probably for about 20 to 25 still. And that's like doing it all yourself, using as many kind of salvage materials as you can, particularly like windows and doors are, are really expensive to buy new. And you can, you know, if you know what you're looking for and you get good quality, you can still find good quality windows and doors that are used for quite a bit less. What about things like appliances or you mentioned like a compost toilet or I'm guessing you had a shower or something. Yeah. Are are there like custom built appliances and things like that, that are kind of designed for tiny homes? Kind of there's, there's more like a lot of borrowing from either the RV world or the Marine world, you know, boats, sailboats. Um, There are a lot of smaller appliances that work in those settings that also work in tiny houses, the RV stuff, you know, it can, it can all be like your mileage may vary because especially in the RV world, a lot of those appliances aren't really built for full-time use. Sure. Um, You know, that's right. You know, recreational vehicles, recreation, it's, 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 for using from time to time. Um, you know, tiny houses have also gotten bigger. You know, my, my house is on a 22 foot trailer and that was like on the big end of things when I built today, that would be on the small end of things. You know, most tiny houses are more like 24, 26, many tiny houses above 30 feet now. Um, so people are able to do things like put in full size appliances. Um, Rather than, you know, for me, I used, you know, an RV size range. It's like a tiny, it's like a 17 inch range um, and a small, like essentially a mini fridge under, under counter height fridge. But that's, that's all changed a lot. More, more options now. I mean, it's, it's definitely evolved. I mean, I've just noticed more and more tiny home communities. I, I said in the introduction that, you know, there's one less than a mile from me and, Two others, yeah. two others, less than an hour's drive from here. There's a lot of decisions that you have to make if you decide to go the tiny house route. And you actually put together a guide 
to help people with that. Can you tell me a little bit about that and kind of what that covers and why you decided to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I started the build with the intention of kind of blogging my way through it. I saw some other people doing that and I thought that that was really cool. And I quickly realized that, you know, writing a blog, you know, being thoughtful, documenting things while also doing a, a build was just what? <laughs> way, that was like way above what I had the bandwidth for. So I settled on just creating a Facebook page, um, that I was posting some build photos to. And by the time I was done building, you know, without really doing any real promotion, um, the page had about 5,000 likes, um, which was significant. And, and that was at a time also when like having a Facebook page with 5,000 likes actually meant something. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how Um, things change, huh? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, there was obviously, (laughs) obviously a need for it then. I mean, if it happened that quickly, so I was getting all kinds of questions like, why did you choose that water heater? Or like, what's that insulation type? Why did you choose that? And so I just, you know, I saw that there was a, a need mm. and I had already kind of honed my online business skills. I had started a different company called Cloud Coach, which the idea was to to coach people on how to use technology better. Oh, and cool. so I, I had the kind of email marketing skills that I was starting to develop um, digital product development, that kind of stuff. So training, training and development experience that you had. Too. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I started, you know, I started writing a book. I decided to create kind of a, a guide to the decision-making process because it's not, you know, in the, in the traditional home building world, it's rare that, you know, someone who's never built anything before will then choose to go and build their own house or even if they work with a builder, like have to make the level of decisions that they're going to need to make for a tiny house. So my book tries to walk you through those decisions, kind of starting with the big ones, like whether a tiny house is, is right for you or not, or what kind of tiny house is right for you all the way through all the systems, like the heat and the electricity and the water, you know, into the fit and finishes, the technology. And then finally, you know, I, I, I did a second edition of the book, um, in 2019 and I added a whole section on moving tiny, you know, moving your house and, and living tiny. And it's, you've also got like a, or a different option, like a multimedia experience, or can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So there's kind of, you know, it's an, it's an ebook primarily tiny house decisions, but there's kind of two different packages. Um, you know, there's one that's just like the PDF and then there's another one that is the, I call it the, the complete multimedia experience. So that also has these video system tours that I did kind of showing you each system in the house, kind of talking through how it's laid out and, and what's in it. Your tiny home is on wheels, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what, what are some of the different options? Like, you know, stationary home on wheels is, I mean, sure. Yeah. I mean, um, that's probably the big decision point is between the, you know, stationary and on wheels. Okay. There's, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages to both. Um, you know, I see the big advantage of being on wheels is that you don't have to buy or own land to do it. And you've, you've kind of, you kind of disconnect the house from the land. You can, you know, if you have a very limited budget, you can put all of that budget into building the house and then you can look to rent a place to park when it's done. If you, I guess if you do decide to go to the stationary route yeah. that 
buying land is is one of or, or the largest expense usually does that sound right to you or one I mean, of them? i think i think it really depends where the land is and what you know is it raw land that's like completely undeveloped and you have to like excavate it and put in yeah. a driveway and put in a well and bring in power like yeah that that can be really expensive but you know, building stationary has its own, you know, you save money on, for example, not having to buy a trailer, but then again, you know, that foundation work that you have to do, the concrete work that that needs to get done to, to build the foundation, to build a house on also, you know, is, is an sure. expense. Sure. You said it, what took 13 months for you to put yours together. Yeah. But when yeah. you, when you got done, then did you start living in it right away or, and where did you put it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I rented some land, um, from a, a, a family member in, you know, about an hour from where I live now in, um, you know, in the mountains in Vermont. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it, is that a challenge? The legalities around where you can park tiny homes or, or, or definitely erect them or whatever. Yeah. I know you can't give us a full legal discourse here, but can you just give us an idea of what are some of those issues or challenges? Well, it's so, it's so confusing, you know, in the United States and around the world, because, you know, I, I obviously I'm, I'm in the United States, so I can speak to the, the laws here, you know, sure. the best, which is that every single city and town has its own rules. There are state level rules that kind of flow down to each town, but then each town can choose to kind of add their own and, and most do. Um, so in a tiny house, I'll say that there's, there's kind of two main buckets of legal challenge. There's zoning and then mm. there's building code. So zoning are the laws that tell you what you can do with your land. So it's the law that says like, you can't park a tiny house this close to the road or, or this close to your neighbor's property. And unfortunately, most places that don't have a tiny house specific zoning code, they 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 think of a tiny house the same thing as an RV. So it's mm. a temporary dwelling. It's a structure on wheels. It's a vehicle. Okay. And many jurisdictions already have existing laws against, for example, living in an RV full time. Okay. And where you can place one on your property. So that's the zoning. And then there's the the building code issues, which are your safety type things, like such as loft bedrooms, for example, are illegal in a lot of building safety codes because really? they're, you know, from a fire, you know, for, for yeah. fire reasons, they're hard to get out of, or um the size of a doorway or the number of of egress options, you know, how you get out of a part of the house. Okay. So there's there's the safety code stuff and and both the zoning and the safety codes are being addressed and the the trend line is positive as in you know cities and towns around the country and world are on the whole doing things to accept tiny houses not not reject them and not yeah. not make them more illegal it's becoming more commonplace and they're Definitely. probably getting more requests for for that kind of guidance and consistency yeah and then you just hear you know all the time you know, whether it's a big city or a small city or a town, how there's an affordable housing crisis and there's not enough housing. And, you know, tiny houses are such a great way to do infill 
So to basically take a backyard and turn that into a place where somebody can live in a, in a dignified and nice way. Some cities are jumping on it faster than others. Oh, that's interesting that you said that. I, yeah. I, a couple months ago, I did an episode on ending homelessness with a guy from the local homeless yeah. coalition. And he talked about, you know, the challenge of the lack of yeah. affordable housing and how yeah. tiny homes were one of the one of the solutions that can help in that space. So, yeah, absolutely. And I've, um, you know, I've done I try on my show, Tiny House Lifestyle podcast to to interview nonprofits and and people who are using tiny houses for homelessness. Um, I can give you a couple of episodes, you know, you can put in your show notes if people oh, are interested good. in learning. There's I mean, there's a lot of different ways they're being used um, and and really creatively. And, and it, it's it's exciting. Yeah, that's great. That would be great if you do that. And let's talk about your podcast for just a second. Why did you decide to do that just as another way to kind of get the word out and learn from other people or tell me about that? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've always, I had always been a podcast fan for, for years, years and years before really ever even starting to starting mine. Sure. And the reason that I started it really is that, you know, I'm not a professional tiny house builder. You know, I'm, I've been in this space now kind of for 11 years, 12 years. And I wanted a way to stay connected with the movement Mm. um, because without being a builder, I'm not out there building tiny houses. I didn't have, you know, so that's like what a lot of people, people who are, have tiny house companies, that's what they can post about. That's what they can talk about. But I realized that, I enjoy interviewing people. I enjoy kind of drawing the stories out. And so I decided to start an interview show where I, you know, interview tiny house builders, dwellers, DIYers, um, interesting companies, nonprofits, just, you know, things connected to the tiny house movement. As I was reading more about the tiny house movement, I'm interested in why people, what are some of the driving forces that make people make that decision. So why, um, why do people decide to go tiny? Well, you know, a lot of different reasons. I would say that, that the finances are, is probably the biggest reason, you know, sure. that, um, but what, what kind of surprised me is like, I'm a millennial. I, you know, I graduated from college in, in 2007, right into the financial crisis <laughs> and like the worst job market and oh worst real estate market. And so I think like, I felt a little scarred by that and and kind of sure. didn't necessarily look at owning a house as being as like great of an investment as it was thought to be. And you know, I thought that that the tiny house movement would be a lot of young people like me. And there there have been. But what I'm seeing more of now are people who are at retirement age who are mm. deciding to go tiny. Um, as a way of essentially stretching the the money that they have and and you know making a serious lifestyle improvement you know on a fixed income and I would say that that you know kind of the the boomers retiring are are what I'm seeing as the kind of biggest demographic in the tiny house movement right now that's interesting well yeah. what do you see as the links between you know tiny house the tiny house movement and minimalism? I know that everybody that has a tiny house isn't necessarily a minimalist at least, yeah. but I mean, they're, 
there are definitely links. Um, you know, some people do the tiny house, you know, live in a tiny house specifically because they are minimalists. And, right. and so the idea of being a minimalist extends beyond just like what the stuff that they own, but into, you know, I don't need that much space. I want to live small. I want to live minimal, but I would say that the minimalism is more like something that comes with the territory, you know, so okay. you, you live in a tiny house, um, you know, by, by design, by default, you're going to have to be a bit more minimal. Although, you know, I've seen tiny houses with a lot of stuff in them and I've seen tiny houses with not a lot of stuff in them. Yeah. So it, it, it all comes down to the person and, and what they want. Um, I met these two sisters, um, Ashley Monkhouse, and I'm gonna, I can't remember the, the, her sister's name, but they both live in tiny houses and <laughs> they couldn't be more different. Like the interiors of the tiny houses, one is a super minimalist, one has stuff everywhere. And it's just, it's really cool to like have interviewed them both and they both live tiny, but they're both doing it so different. Well, I, I believe you said you, you, you don't, you're not currently living in the tiny, tiny house that you built, but how, how long did you live in it? And why did you decide to um, move out? I was dating someone while I was building my tiny house and, you know, we ended up, you know, I'm still, now we're married and, and I live, you know, we live together. So my wife actually had owned this small condo, you know, the whole time, you know, while I was building okay. my tiny house and through. And, you know, for a bunch of different reasons, this is where, you know, this little condo is kind of where we've decided to live full time. Um, one of the one of the reasons being it's difficult to park a tiny house in this city where we live legally. OK. Um, and, you know, for a long time, we kind of used the house as like almost like our second home. Like it was Ooh. like a little spot yeah. in the mountains that we could go to. And then over time, you know, we started using it less and less. And, um, you know, I actually found, I found having a second home to be really stressful. Um, <laughs> even like, if it's tiny, right? Even it's still it's another tiny. place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's another place to maintain. It's another, you know, another house to kind of keep up with. So, you know, just recently, um, you know, back in May, we found a new parking spot and um, have been renting the house out on Airbnb. Which That's has been okay. really, yeah, it's been really rewarding for us, um, you know, both in the fact that, you know, it's a, it's another source of income. It's great to not have to just sell the tiny house, um, but also just we're giving lots of people the opportunity to kind of stay in this, you know, beautiful little house that we created and people seem to really appreciate it and enjoy it. Well, when, in addition to having some friends who have a tiny house, I've also seen some of the shows on, on television, mm -hmm. like Netflix, I think tiny house mm -hmm. nation, Yep. And Tiny House Big Living on HG, yep. maybe a couple of examples. Um, what what do you think about that? How how real is the are those reality shows? I mean, I don't I'm not a big fan of them. I mean, I think okay. that they they can be great to inspire you and kind of show you some different tiny houses, but I I have heard that, you know, the producers of the show, you know, they want they always want what reality shows give you which is kind of drama, drama and conflict yeah. <laughs> and you know they can tend to push people to do design things that aren't necessarily what they wanted or or builders to to go faster to meet a show schedule so you know i kind of i 
take them as entertainment. But, you know, if you're seriously considering tiny house living that, you know, there are other places to, to go to kind of get more of the real, the real dish. That's right. Yeah. And I think your, your website, the, the tiny, what is it? Tell me that. The website. tiny house.net. The tiny house.net. Yeah. yeah is yeah. one great place to get a yeah. lot of that information. So where, where do you see this going? Um, you, you talk with a lot of people who are, you know, buying or building tiny mm-hmm. homes. Um, mm-hmm. What are you hearing about the future of the movement? You know, I think the, the future of the movement is bright. Um, the regulatory kind of environment is, is becoming more favorable towards tiny houses. More cities and towns are, are seeing small houses, small and tiny houses as appealing and as a way to, to kind of solve problems. And I think people are starting to see that a giant house isn't necessarily the most desirable thing, you know, and and I've seen some cool developments of like, not tiny houses, but small houses. Yeah. Um, and so I think those are all, those are all good things. Awesome. One of my goals for this podcast, Home Where You Belong, mm-hmm. is is to inspire listeners to feel more at home where, wherever they're living. I've interviewed mm-hmm. people that live in a treehouse or an RV mm-hmm. um, and, you know, talking to you today about tiny homes. But what is it that makes you feel most at home? Music. Um, music? You know, I, I, I play music. I listen to music pretty much constantly. So, you know, if I, I, if I have music in a space that, that makes me feel at home, you can, I'm, you know, most people won't see this, but I have a couple of guitars on the wall behind me. I, I play violin and, um, yeah, I think like playing, consuming, creating music makes me feel at home in a space. That's awesome. Great answer. Well, Ethan, hey, thanks so much for taking some time out and joining us today. I really enjoyed our conversation. I know people are going to benefit from the insights you shared. Thanks, Chip. This was great. I enjoyed the conversation. If you're interested in learning more about tiny houses, I'm including a link to Ethan's podcast, the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, in the show notes and on our website, homewhereyoubelong.com. I'm also including a link to Ethan's website, thetinyhouse.net, where you can find his helpful guide, Tiny House Decisions, and a ton of other helpful materials. Thanks again for listening. If you're enjoying the program, please tell your friends about us. We want to help you continue experiencing that feeling of being at home wherever you are. So please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts and visit our website at homewhereyoubelong.com. Want to join in on discussions, ask questions, or share feedback and ideas? Join our Facebook group, visit us on Instagram, or send an email to chip at homewhereyoubelong.com. We'll see you next time. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.